Wow. I can definitely say that we're off and running. Jenny and Mike, we, we didn't discuss the topic, but we didn't have to. And I tell you, I'm very grateful to be here before you. I'm humbled. First of all, I'd like to thank the Lord for his intervention in my life. If we may take a few moments just for a personal note. This is my first time speaking before you on a Sunday, and I'm humbled. I would like to thank the Lord for the people and their prayers that he put in my life, and we were reminded about that. My brother Mike and my sister Jenny are instrumental in my life seeing the Savior in their lives, and I'm thankful from here to eternity. I'm thankful to the Lord for his opportunities and the circumstances and his prompting that he has given me to see his hand in my life in order to gain my attention. Standing before you this morning, I know that God is not done with me. He's still working with me every day and every moment to make me into the man of God that he wants me to be. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But before we get started, I need to go to the Lord in prayer. Because he has spoken to me this week, and he has redefined in my life praying without ceasing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're humbled, and I'm very thankful that you are here with us. Lord, I pray, I pray that you speak through me, that it is not my words, that it is yours. And Lord, may you ring clearly to the hearts here this morning. I pray you just bless our time together as we look into your word and as we share some thoughts. Lord, I pray that you just block out any distractions, that we can hear your precious voice into our hearts. And Lord, I'm just so thankful for who you are and what you do in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The Lord is definitely in control of this service today. I'm just so amazed by it. As Mike was praying, as Dean was sharing, as Jenny was singing, I was saying, yes, the Lord has a topic here today. It's been a true blessing reaching deep into God's word in preparation for a message that the Lord would, would have me share. So how do you choose a message from God's endless teachings? My New American Standard Bible has 2,045 pages of text. But by, even by that, the Word of God is not like any other book. We can read a portion of Scripture and get a message. And later, read that same portion and get another message. And that's not to confuse us. That's to show that God's Word is infinite. 
God's word is infinite. The illustration of being in the first grade and getting the assignment of show and tell came to my mind this week. You come running home excited. You look through your prized possessions. What am I going to share? You have a time limit. You have to pick something. But everything, I have so much to share. What should I share? Well, I only have 20 minutes, but I've got a half of a lifetime that the Lord has been with me. What should I share? For today's sharing, I prayed and searched the scriptures. What would be the topic that would be an encouragement and used to guide people closer to the Savior? We all need encouragement. First, I'd like to talk to you before about a trip that I took with my brother Mike. But while I'm just talking about that, let's turn to the main text. So I brought up the old school Bible with actual pages and paper. And I do have a, a, an electronic Bible, but for this purpose, I just love the, hearing the, the uh, sorting through uh, pages in the Bible. It's just, it's music. The main text is going to be Psalm 130. So the main text is going to be Psalm 130. Then I'd also like, we're going to leave this up here, put your thumb in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. But while we're doing that, I'm going to tell you about a trip that my brother and I took back in 1977. We took a trip to the Grand Canyon. And it wasn't just a trip to the Grand Canyon, it was a trip down in the Grand Canyon. It actually started two years prior to our initial trip, to our trip we went down. My brother and I, we were on a family vacation, and we were passing through Arizona, and we decided to stop at the Grand Canyon to take a look. So we stopped on the rim, and we were up on top, and we were looking out, and it was, it was huge, and it was so beautiful. It almost didn't even seem real. It didn't seem like we could actually touch it, but it was there. Mike had this great idea. Let's plan a trip and we can go down into the Grand Canyon. And I'm thinking, well, how can we do that? I mean, this thing is huge. We can't see all of this. He says, no, we're just going to go down and spend a week and spend some time down in there. And I said, great, that sounds awesome. And I'm what, 15, 16 years old. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's cool. So we came home, and we began to plan the trip of a lifetime. We had to either borrow or purchase hiking equipment. There's no hotel at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> we slept on the ground. There was no electricity. There was no transportation outside of a mule, but we decided to hike. And it was a 10-mile trip down to the floor of the, of, the, uh, of the canyon to where we reported in for our, that we were there. And we saw, we saw the canyon in a different perspective than being up on top. As we were going down into the Grand Canyon, we walked. And how did we walk? We walked one step at a time. 
and eventually we got down to the bottom. But we saw things in the Grand Canyon we did not even know existed. We saw an Indian tribe who lived on the floor that helped manage the, the area. We saw waterfalls and rivers that were just breathtaking and mineral formations that were just works of art. But it took effort. It took time to see God's creation at its finest. During our trip down there, we had to cross a few bridges that were a little shaky. And I think OSHA may have a little trouble with some of them. But we got across. And it was an adventure we would not forget. We saw the Grand Canyon differently than our first trip, standing on the outside and looking from the top. There is a point to this story, and we'll get to that. I'm not sure where any of you stand with your relationship with God. There may be some who are looking at the vastness of God, thinking that he's too big for me to get to know. Some may be thinking that the, some may be making that trip with God and on the path that he wants us on. Some may think that a deep relationship with God takes too much time or effort and maybe even take the fun out of life. Some may not have a relationship at all. At one time or another, I was guilty of all of the above. I would like to share with you a journey that I've taken into the, in the scriptures and with my relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's get started. Let's turn to Psalm 130. And I'm just amazed on how the Lord is tying everything together today. Psalm 130. The psalm has been noted to be one of the favorites of the great theologian, theologian Martin Luther. If not familiar with this psalm, I hope that this will be a portion of God's word that will bring about hope, strength, and assurance. Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the, for the morning. Indeed, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So I'd like to talk about this precious psalm, eight verses. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. The writer here is in a deep place of sorrow and darkness. 
He is in tremendous need of help. Where does he go? Okay, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 33. We're going to talk about a young king. His name is Manasseh. He was the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah passed away. And now it's Manasseh's turn to be king. Verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. Imagine that, being king at 12 years old. What would you do if you were king at 12 years old? We talked about that in Sunday school last week. It would be fun, what we thought. But to be king at 12 years old, he, re he became king and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asherim and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He was idol worshiper. Verse 6, he made his sons pass through the fire of the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He was in a human sacrifice. And he used his own sons. And he practiced witchcraft, divination, practiced sorcery, and dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Verse 9. Thus Manasseh misled Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore, the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them, and they captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, he entreated the Lord, entreated, entreated seriously and deeply requested to the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. When he prayed to him, he, being God, was moved by his entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. The awesome thing about this is that God did not kick Manasseh to the curb. He said, you're too bad. You're too evil. But God had a plan. It was radical, but he had a plan to get Manasseh's attention. And God has a plan for us. Hopefully not as radical, but he has a plan. But God was waiting for Manasseh. He was waiting there because he knew Manasseh would need help. And God was waiting. Back to Psalm 130. 
Someone has said that the best prayer comes from strong inward necessity. In pleasant, prosperous times, meaningful prayer is often overlooked. But when we are being tossed around by the, by the storms of life, then we really know how to reach out in fervent and insistent prayer. Even though the writer is in a deep place of tribulation, he is never too deep to pray. It doesn't matter where we are. We can still pray. The deepest places of distress brings about a more excellent faith, which trusts in God and in Him alone. It would be a shame to look back on a troubled time in our lives and think back and realize that we did not pray. We did not pray to the Lord who was always there, available, waiting for us. To know that whatever we did or did not do in a situation but prayed, we can be comforted. Verse 2. The first portion of verse 2 says, Lord, hear my voice. The writer urgently pleads with the Lord to hear him. When we pray to the Lord, we leave it up to the all-wise God to answer in his perfect will. It is best that the Lord hears our prayers. If the Lord promises to answer all of our prayers favorably, that would be a curse more than a blessing. That would give all the responsibility of our lives to ourselves. The Lord hearing our voice should be enough. We would like him to answer in his perfect wisdom. We can pray audibly with our voices. God can hear our silent prayers. He can hear our prayers in times of weeping. And the amazing thing that is, is that he, we don't even need to find the right words. Romans 8.26. In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Memory verse, just a little commercial. Memory verse. It has been very helpful in my life. And the last half of verse 2 says, Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Supplications to ask earnestly or humbly. The writer may or may not associate his trouble with sin, but it's always a good idea to eliminate unconfessed sin in times of trouble. If we have faithfully obeyed the precept of praying without ceasing, we can be confident that the Lord will faithfully fulfill the promise that he will help us. Verse 3, If you, Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If the Lord kept an account of our sins, then the situation would be hopeless. But we can eternally be grateful that there is a way that sins are forgiven. There is plenty of forgiveness for the guilty sinner and the sinning saint. The writer seems to be under sin and has a need to confess 
He is admitting that he can't stand before a holy God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 4, here comes the good news. But there is forgiveness with you. God's forgiveness is of his merciful nature. He is the one who provided his son for the sacrifice for our sins. There are two types of forgiveness, parental and judicial. Judicial is the forgiveness by faith in Jesus Christ as judge. It covers the penalty of past, present, and future sins. It is possible because of the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. It's because of his substitutional death that we are forgiven from our sins. Parental forgiveness is obtained by confessing our sins to him as father. This results in the restoring of our fellowship with God. This was also purchased by Christ at the cross. And the last half of verse 4 says that you may be feared. And the term fear here is not to be afraid or scared. It's to show reverence, honor, and respect to God. In our gratitude of forgiveness, we should be brought to an understanding that this free and full forgiveness should bring about results. We should revere, honor, show our devotion to, trust, love, and worship him forever. Verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait. The writer's not waiting for forgiveness. That's done the moment confession is made. The waiting is a deep waiting down to the soul. He repeats himself. My, my, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. We wait for him in, in service and in faith. If God requires us to wait for him, he has the best reason for us to do so. There are benefits for waiting. Isaiah 40, 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Verse 5, the last portion says, And in his word, I do hope. This is the source of our strength. If we do not have hope, we cannot wait. God's word is true, and at times, we need to wait for his responses. As we wait for the Lord, we study the word, believe in the word, hope in the word, live in the word, because it is his word. His word is the foundation we can rest our lives on in full confidence. Verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Indeed, more than watchmen for the morning. The repetition here is not out of vainness. It's not out of filling up the page. But it's to express a hunger and a thirst for God's return. 
waiting as watchman waits for the morning light. You think about a watchman or a, or a guard on a post, and it's dark. You have trouble seeing. But when that morning light comes, there's a relief. I can see. This is an expression of the waiting we as Christians should have for the coming of the Lord. This is the blessed hope which we should possess. Verse 7. O Israel. Now the writer is wanting to tell people what he has found out. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness. And with him is abundant redemption. At this time, the writer is stating that since he has found hope in God, everyone should know about his loving kindness and redemption. God's attribute of mercy and the fact of redemption are the two most sufficient reasons to hope in the Lord. God's attribute of mercy and the fact of redemption are the two most sufficient reasons for hoping in the Lord knowing that without his mercy and deliverance, we would be destined for eternity without him in a place not created for us. Is it not better to be in a deep place with the Lord than to be on a mountaintop out of our own righteousness? Verse 8, And he will redeem Israel, from all their iniquities. Our iniquities, it's a fancy word for sin, our wickedness. They're our own worst dangers. If we're saved from these, then we're completely saved. As the hymn said, Jesus completely saves. This salvation only comes through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ at the cross. What a blessing it is to know that, the, that paid in full is stamped on our sins by Christ. This being said, there's enough forgiveness from God to handle all the requests. Are we willing to stop at God, receive and accept the invitation he gives for eternal life to be spent with him. Christ has promised that he is coming to earth a second time for his people. And also, our time is limited ourselves. There are no guarantees we're going to live forever. None. We have all this in common, that our days here on earth will come to an end. You know, the question was asked, are you nervous about today? And honestly, I can say maybe a little bit, but not as much as I thought I would be. Because the Lord has been preparing my heart for about 24 years. And I'm very thankful for that. This is God's word. How can you go wrong with that topic? And the Lord has been with me every step of the way. No, I can't say that I'm really nervous up here. I'm very humbled 
and thankful. But the Lord has prepared me. He has put a message on my heart, and he prepared me. Are we prepared for what God has in store for us? Are we prepared? Are we, or, or are we nervous? For those who have not made this life-changing decision, it's not too late. The scripture says that today is the day of salvation. All it takes is a simple confession that I'm a sinner in need of Jesus Christ and accept this free gift. Remember that Calvary covers it all. Our past with its sin and stain my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. Calvary covers it all. The psalm starts out with doom and gloom. It ends with assurance and trust in God, who is able to handle any situation life may bring our way. Edward Moat admitted that he grew up not knowing Jesus Christ even existed. He grew up as a child of pub owners in London. He did not have an early education about Jesus, but Moat, when he grew up, became a cabinet maker in a London suburb and became active in a local church. He was baptized at the age of 18. He did not go into full-time ministry until he was age 55. But he wrote one of the most recognized hymns that we know. He wrote it in 1834, one day going to work. He wrote four verses and a chorus in one day. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And we know it. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Did Mr. Moat get off to a good start? No. Did we get off to a good start? No. Where are we going? Where is our destination? That we can do something about. May we not treat Christ as many people treat the Grand Canyon. Something to be viewed from afar, or even may, maybe by a snapshot. My trip to the Grand Canyon was a trip of a lifetime here on earth. It stood the passing of time in my life. We took it in 1977, and I remember it vividly as if it was yesterday. By spending time in it, we saw and learned things we did not even know existed. A decision to follow Christ can be a life-changing decision. Christ is inviting those who have not accepted the free gift of salvation to do so. He is also calling on those who have to stay close to him and continue the journey that he has placed you on. And in conclusion, I did not really come here to talk about a family vacation. 
I would like to draw a comparison, though, of looking from the top at a distance to the Grand Canyon and missing what is deep down, to looking at Jesus from a distance, thinking that I'm not able to have a deep relationship with him. Before I end, I would like to ask one question. Actually, one and three sub-questions. Where is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you saved and walking, on, walking with God on the path he has chosen for you? Or are you saved and maybe straying off that path? Maybe frustrated with the things of this world. Maybe cha being challenged day to day by the goings on. It's tough. It's tough. But where do we go? Where do we go? Maybe you have no relationship with God at all. God is waiting as he waited for Manasseh, even though he was bad, and he gave him a chance. And I recommend continuing Manasseh's story. You'll be blessed. Go home and continue the story about Manasseh because he went home a changed man. And rules were different when he got home and he was on fire. It's been a privilege. I cannot thank people enough for their encouragement. It's been a blessing and heartfelt. But I, I'd like to repeat, I would not be here if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. So time is out. I pray, it has been my prayer since getting this show-and-tell assignment prayed without ceasing, that words will be found and sent out that will touch people's hearts, that will people be affected by who Jesus is and what he can do and what he has in store for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for your word, your word that speaks to us, your precious word that directs our lives. And Lord, we're very thankful and humbled on how you sent your son, our Lord Jesus, down to this world to mend our relationship that was broken by sin. And you did show us how much you love us by going to that cross. Lord, I pray for these words this morning that they will touch people's hearts, that lives will be affected. And I know only you can do that. And Lord, I just ask your blessing as we meditate on this message today that you just draw us closer to you. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And we thank you for who you are and what you do in each one of our lives. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.